0: Hello and welcome to today's podcast from the Video Journal of Hematological Oncology. In this episode, we'll be hearing the most recent updates on CAR-T therapy for patients with lymphoma from leading experts in the field. First up is Karen Jacobson of the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Massachusetts, who's going to provide updates on the use of axicabtagene ciloleucel for patients with diffuse large B-cell lymphoma and follicular lymphoma.
1: Over to you, Karen. So first, I, I think it's important to um, point out that um the intent-to-treat population for the Zuma-1 clinical trial was all 101, pa- 111 patients who had their cells collected, um, and the modified intent-to-treat analysis is, are all the results that we're familiar with, um, including only the patients who were treated, the 101 patients who were treated, which represented 91% of the intent-to-treat population, but what we saw this year was uh, an analysis of the same results using the intent-to-treat population of all 111 patients who were free. Uh, the complete the objective response rate and the complete response rate were very similar to the modified intent to treat population, which is owing to the fact that, we're, that as we all know, since we've been using axi-cell in the real world, uh, there's reliable manufacturing with a fast turnaround, and so many patients are able to get the cells back after they have their cells collected. Uh, we saw the updated overall survival curves at four years, with a four-year overall survival of 44% on the Zuma-1 study. Um, and when we look at um, an intent-to-treat population, the median overall survival was 17.4 months, and the kaplan meyer estimate of the four-year overall survival was 41%. Again, very similar to the modified intent-to-treat analyses. And then lastly, we've we've long uh, thought that uh, persistence of cell has not been necessary for control of uh, large B-cell lymphoma. Fred Locken uh, can speak more to this than I can, um, but we've seen some analyses of um, how tumor burden and pretreatment inflammation can um, negatively impact uh, durable remissions. Patients with a high pretreatment uh, tumor burden or high pretreatment inflammation tend to have uh, less durable responses. Um, But really what's what seems to be most important is the degree of CAR T cell expansion to tumor burden. So patients who have sufficient CAR T cell expansion to overcome tumor burden do have um, a good response, uh, do can have a durable response to treatment. um, But patients who have insufficient CAR T cells to overcome that tumor burden tend to be our progressing patients. Finally, switching gears, we'll talk about uh, axi-cell for follicular and marginal zone lymphoma uh, based on the results of the Zuma 5 study, which uh, enrolled 127 patients with follicular lymphoma and 23 uh, patients with marginal zone lymphoma, um, and ultimately uh, treated 124 follicular lymphoma patients and 22 marginal zone lymphoma patients. Um, we ha- we cons- we're going to look at data with a median follow-up of about 17 and a half months um, for uh, for efficacy, for all patients enrolled, the response rate was 76 uh, was 92% with a CR rate of 76%, and for follicular lymphoma, this was 80. The CR rate was 80% with an overall response rate of 94%. Um, importantly, um, and something that we always uh, ask about is among the patients who had a PR at their first response assessment with follicular lymphoma, there were 25 in total, and 13 of them, 52% of them subsequently converted to a complete response by month three. Um, uh, Importantly, uh, this high response rate is uh, uh, correlating with durable responses. The other thing that's notable um, is the Uh, the incidence of any and high grade CRS and and neurologic toxicity in follicular lymphoma. Um, 22% of patients did not have any cytokine release syndrome and only 6% had high grade CRS. And that CRS didn't start until day four on average after CAR T-cell infusion. Um, And similarly, uh, 56% of patients had any grade neurologic toxicity, but only 15% had high grade neurologic toxicity. Obviously numbers that uh, look better compared to outcomes in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. The marginal zone lymphoma patients tend to have higher grades of high-grade CRS and neurologic toxicity, more like diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And that may, it's not due to um, an increase in CAR T-cell expansion, uh, but it is due to a higher level of baseline uh, pro-inflammatory markers and a higher peak level of, ba- of pro-inflammatory markers. Um, so it says something maybe more specific about the disease as opposed to um, Uh, anything else about the patient. Um, their, uh, retreatment was allowed on the Zuma 5 study and uh, Julio Chavez did present a lot of the um, retreatment experience. So 11 patients were retreated on the study. Um, they These patients compared pretty similarly to the patients who were not retreated, except for the fact that these uh, patients were more likely to have a high risk flippy score, more likely to have high tumor bulk by GELF criteria, um, and were more likely to have had refractory disease to so their uh, to their last therapy. Um, when we look at the response rate, um, amongst the first treatment versus retreatment, the response rate was hundred percent in both instances amongst the 11 patients. And the CR rate was 91% in both instances amongst the 11 patients. The median duration of response to retreatment has not yet been reached, um, but responses were ongoing for nine patients at the data cutoff. And you can see they're all, uh, annotated with a superscript a here. Some of them were ongoing beyond nine months, um, Uh, which shows that retreatment can elicit uh, deep responses that do appear to be durable. Um, the toxicity was, um, in terms of CRS and neurologic toxicity, was comparable between the first treatment and retreatment, and peak cytokine levels were also comparable um, between both treatments. Retreatment was either through a second a second bag, uh, frozen PBMCs and remanufacturing, or re um, The T-cell content was pretty similar amongst uh, the different uh, options for retreatment, except maybe it looks like the patient, when you use frozen PBMCs, you may see a lower proportion of CCR7 positive Um, T-cells. CAR T-cell expansion um, peaked at similar levels upon retreatment as they did upon initial treatment, but they did decline earlier um, in these patients. Um, And probably most importantly is that most of these patients went into their second treatment with a lower tumor burden compared to Uh, their first treatment. And as a result, even though they may have had um, a smaller area under the curve for their CAR T-cell levels, uh, their ratio of CAR T-cells to tumor burden was more favorable, um, which uh, potentially leads to an explanation for why they may respond again and why there may be optimism uh, that these responses could be more durable.
0: Thanks for sharing those promising results, Karen, and to summarize the overall findings.
1: So in summary, AxiCell's high manufacturing success rate and short manufacturing time leads to a high proportion of treated to freeze patients. And so an intent-to-treat analysis actually closely mirrors the results that we've previously seen in the modified intent-to-treat population. The four-year follow-up reveals excellent long-term overall survival and importantly, no new safety signals. Um, and that long-term responders do recover polytypic B-cells despite detectable gene-marked CAR T-cells, suggesting that persistence of immunologically active Axie cell is not needed to maintain a response. Uh, We have learned that tumor burden negatively impacts durable response, but that this can be overcome by CAR T-cell expansion and composition, and that pretreatment inflammation also negatively impacts durable response and CAR T-cell expansion. Um, In the indolent B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphomas, AXA cell leads to high complete response rates um, in both follicular lymphoma as well as marginal zone lymphoma. And in follicular lymphoma, we have long enough follow-up to say that responses appear to be durable with 78% of complete responders and ongoing response at 18 months. Um, Any grade and high grade CRS and high grade neurotoxicity were lower in follicular lymphoma than in large B-cell lymphoma, and the median time to onset was later, leaving open the potential for outpatient dosing. And finally, uh, retreatment in indolent non-Hodgkin lymphoma leads to a response rate of 100%. Um, the follow-up so far is too short to really judge durability, but these patients had generally lower tumor burden and similar peak CAR T cell expansion to their first treatment, leading to a more favorable CAR T cell expansion to tumor burden ratio, um, and maybe set these patients up for optimal durable response.
0: Next up, we have Stephen Schuster of the Perelman School of Medicine based in Philadelphia, who's going to talk on Tisagenlecleucel. Firstly, Stephen, could you compare the three different CD19-directed CAR T-cell products which are currently under investigation for diffuse large B-cell lymphoma?
2: We're now in the second decade of the 21st century in the era of uh, T-cell immunotherapy for cancer and... uh, we'll focus on CAR T-cells just to contrast some of the differences between TSA-cell versus Axi-cell and Lisa-cell. These are the three approved products for CAR T-cell lymphoma, and you'll have to uh, uh, talk about Axi-cell and Lisa-cell uh, independently. Um, the costimulatory domain for tsa cells 41 bb like Lisa-cell, and these two are different from uh, Axi-cell, which uses CD28. Fresh pheresis products are sent for manufacturing, Uh, for axi-cell and for lisa-cell. For tisa-cell, the phoresis product can be frozen and shipped frozen uh, to the manufacturer. It's thawed then and and, uh, manufactured. Lisa-cell actually separates and transduces separately CD4 and CD8 cells and then doses each uh, equimolar um, uh, in sequence. All three products use order of magnitude 10 to the eighth cells. um, the trials were constructed differently, so there's a tendency to want to compare them. Bridging therapy was used in two of the trials and most frequently in the uh, trial for t Cell, which is the Juliet trial. Um, lymphodepletion regimens varied between uh, trials. Uh, all three used Cy-Flu, but the doses were different, and some patients got bendamustine or nothing uh, in the t cell trial. And based on the registrational trial, which I'll show you today, uh, we have approval of uh, this product in the third line for relapsed or refractory large B-cell lymphomas. Um, the process is the same for all three products. Phoresis, uh, although you can freeze for T-cell bridging therapy is needed to stabilize the patient so they're uh, fit to get uh, the th- the therapy when the cells are ready in about three to four weeks. The patients after lymphodepletion get a single infusion. They're then followed uh, uh, for toxicities and managed uh, should they arise.
0: Thanks, Stephen. Could you also share an update on the JULIET trial?
2: JULIET was a trial that included relapsed refractory large B-cell lymphomas. When I say large B-cell lymphomas or diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, including high-grade large B-cell lymphoma with that, um, transformed follicular lymphoma was also included in the trial. Primary mediastinal large B-cell lymphoma was not included, uh, as opposed to the Uh, um, the registrational products for the other two trials, LisaCell and Axicel. These patients had uh, a number of prior treatments, and uh, a little over half were refractory to the antecedent therapy prior to enrollment, and about half had uh, transplants. Uh, Overall response, which is the best overall response at three months or later, was 54%, and the uh, complete response rate was 40%. Most failures happen within the first three months. This is characteristic uh, um, for all the CAR T cells, and this happens uh, despite um, expansion of the cells uh, in the blood. Um, and there's a nice plateau that happens, particularly at a year. It starts to plateau at three months, then six months, but at, by a year, uh, the, you, you see very few late relapses. And uh, uh, for responder, you can see that uh, um, over 70% of patients remain um, uh, in remission. And for the all patients treated uh, with uh, uh, TSSL, about a third of patients, these includes responders and non responders, were free of disease at uh, two years and beyond. You'll soon see, I hope, uh, the 40 month data um, which have been submitted for publication. Now, this uh, transcend trial of Lisa cell, the other 401BB driven car, which Jeremy Abramson will talk about. And the reason I'm showing it is we have similar data which we haven't presented yet from our trial, but the transformed follicular lymphomas as well as the primary mediastinals do better than the large cell and high grade. So I think it's important to look at the proportions of these patients if you're gonna try to compare the trials. So not only are the products manufactured differently um, and lymphodepletion differing, but the proportions of patients were different in the trials. Um, And so it's really not possible to do side-by-side comparisons. And saying that, proportions of of large, a diffuse large B-cell and high-grade is different across the trials, and uh, that needs to be borne in mind, okay? There are differences. Not all large B-cell lymphomas are um, created um, um, equivalently um, or the same, And but all three products are capable of achieving durable, complete re- responses in one-third to maybe 45% of patients, and, and depending on prognostic factors and histology, et cetera. So that's the uh, what we've achieved with CAR T cells. Uh, the I want to give a little bit of look into the future by looking back into the past. This was a small study we ran at Penn, which was the pilot trial that led to the Juliet trial. Um, and this was with CTL019, which was licensed to Novartis and became Tisagenlecleucel. We had uh, relapsed and refractory large B cell slash high grade lymphomas, and a smaller cohort of of uh, um, poor prognosis follicular lymphoma uh, patients. And the reason I'm showing this study is we have five years of follow-up median. Now, one point I wanna make is if you look at Juliet and you look at the Penn trial, they use the same vector, and but lymphodepletion um, varied. Cytoxan fludarabine wasn't used in any case in the PEN trial where we selected regimens based on past response histories, patients' blood counts, uh, et cetera, uh, whatever the clinical situation was and the patient status guided our choice. Um, and in Juliet, the majority of patients got cytoxin fludarabine. Gratifyingly, if you look at the large B-cell lymphoma cohort or transformed follicular uh, uh, together, those uh, patients at a median of um, five years uh, had uh, had a uh, 86% PFS with a 40% CR rate. And Juliet, which used primarily CyFlu, had 79% PFS at 12 months and 40% CR rate. So very similar results, very gratifying, and the safety looks identical. So um, this small single center study with over five years of follow-up now uh, achieved the same results in, without using cytoxin flutarabine. So for patients that you might think it's a contraindication, I think this gives you a license to have an open mind and think outside the box. This may be heresy. It's my opinion. I, I'm not speaking for Penn or Novartis or, or even for my colleagues, but uh, this is my opinion based on my experience. Third of patients with uh, large B-cell lymphomas are free of disease uh, at 60 months. Um, And uh, for responders, it's 60%. Uh, If you look at the PFS for follicular, it was uh, 43% at five years and the response duration 60% like large B cell. So we've achieved a lot in the third line, but it's just the beginning. We need to improve this. A third is not enough. Two thirds of patients in the third line. uh, are failing. So we're looking at combinations, new cars, uh, cars with combinations of checkpoint inhibitors, bi-specifics. Uh, there's three trials that are uh, moving cars up front in the second line, comparing uh, patients with auto transplant. We'll hear more about that later this year. Um, but I think, you know, although uh, the sign points every which way, I think we, we are moving in a direction.
0: Thank you for that, Stephen. Next up, we have Jeremy Abramson of the Massachusetts General Hospital Cancer Center in Massachusetts. Jeremy is going to shed some light on the role of lisa-captogene-marilucil in large B-cell lymphoma. Take it away, Jeremy.
3: I think this audience well knows that cell is an anti 19 1941 co-stimulated CAR T-cell product. It's generated by selecting out CD4 and CD8 T-cells from the patient's apheresis product, which is then separately transduced expanded, and then administered back to the patient in a one-to-one ratio. cell was studied in the Transcend NHL 001 study, uh, which was a pivotal phase one seamless design study conducting with dose finding, dose expansion, and dose confirmation cohorts, with the ultimate uh, target dose being 100 million cells administered as a single infusion. Patients enrolled in the TRANSCEND study. uh, Notably, this was the largest CAR T-cell study reported to date at 269 treated patients. The median age was 63, with the oldest patient treated being 86. The most common lymphoma histology was DLBCL-NOS with 51% of patients, followed by patients with transformed follicular lymphoma, high-grade B-cell lymphoma with double or triple it cytogenetics, patients with transformed lymphoma from other indolent histologies, as well as primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma and grade 3B follicular lymphoma. I'll note that the TRANSCEND study is the only pivotal trial that enrolled patients with transformed lymphoma from indolent histologies other than follicular lymphoma, and also the only study to include patients with grade 3B follicular lymphoma. Patients were allowed to have secondary CNS involvement, which included seven patients, which was also a unique eligibility criteria for this study. The median prior lines of therapy was three, two-thirds of patients were considered chemotherapy refractory, 35% received a prior transplant, most commonly autologous, and just about 60% of patients received bridging therapy. The overall response rate among 256 treated patients was 73%, with 53% of patients achieving a complete remission. At one year, more than half of responding patients remained in response. We look at the progression-free survival curves, these responses do appear durable, with a one-year progression-free survival of 44% and a one-year overall survival of 58%. Looking at adverse events of special interest among all 269 treated patients, we see that the incidence of cytokine release syndrome was low overall at 42%, occurring in a median onset of five days and severe in only 2% of patients. Neurologic toxicity occurred in 30% of patients and was severe in only 10% with a median time to onset of nine days. This resulted in a relatively low use of rescue medications, tocilizumab and corticosteroids used in 20 and 21% of patients respectively. We look at outcomes divided by patient subgroups. and We see that complete remissions were observed in, in all patient subgroups at consistent levels. There were, however, two subgroups that appeared to have lower rates of complete response, and that included patients who received bridging therapy as well as those patients defined as having high tumor burden. I'll note that these subgroups likely track together as patients with high tumor burden are likely to have required bridging therapy at the discretion of their treating investigator. If we look at this in terms of progression-free survival, we see that durable progression-free survival was observed in all included histologies, with particularly favorable outcomes observed in primary mediastinal and transformed follicular lymphoma patients, but similarly excellent results with durable remission seen in high-grade B-cell lymphoma transformed indolent lymphomas and DLBCLNOS. Despite lower rates of achieving complete remission, we see that a progression-free survival was similarly durable regardless of receipt of bridging therapy. I want to turn our attention to another trial using LizaCell was the OUTREACH trial. Outreach studied specifically patients treated at non-university medical centers, unlike university centers treated in the TRANSCEND trial. This patient could be treated on either the outpatient or the inpatient setting, and outpatient treatment was encouraged. Similar eligibility criteria were used, as in TRANSCEND, and the same target dose was used at 100 million cells in a single infusion. We can see among all treated patients in the outreach study, the overall response rate was 77% with 57% of patients achieving complete response. Long-term follow-up is required for durability, but thus far durability appears similar to transcend at a short interval follow-up. The quality of response was the same in both the outpatient and inpatient setting. And if we look at adverse events based on outpatient and inpatient administration, we see similar rates of CRS, neurotoxicity, and prolonged cytopenias. Specifically, we see virtually identical incidents of any grade and severe CRS, with about 40% of patients having any grade CRS and notably zero cases of grade three or higher CRS in the outreach study. Neurotoxicity observed in 30% with only 7% of patients uh, having severe neurotoxicity and once again, really identical, both inpatient and outpatient setting. About 60% of patients treated as an outpatient did require hospitalization, only half of patients requiring hospitalization due to adverse events, and notably the majority of patients, over uh, about three-quarters of patients who required hospitalization, required so at five days or later from their CAR T-cell infusion. These data validate, along with patients treated outpatient in the TRANSCEND trial, that the safety profile of cell does allow outpatient administration in a uh, significant subset. Finally, I will turn our attention to a small subset of patients on the TRANSCEND trial who received prior CD19 directed therapy. This is an important subset because there is now an approved anti-CD19 monoclonal antibody in the treatment of relapsed refractory DLBCL. Among the Transcend treated patients, 12 patients had received a prior CD19 directed therapy. Their response to prior CD19 therapy included two CRs and three PRs among those 12 patients. The median time from prior CD19 treatment to registration on Transcend was 11 months. Their lives of cell responses on Transcend were identical to those in the overall study at 73% uh, response rate and 53% CR rate. And their duration of response, progression free, and overall survival were also identical to patients on the Transcend trial. Their incidence of any grade CRS and neurotox were 67 and 42% respectively, but importantly, no grade 3 or higher CRS or neurotoxicity. There were no differences in peak expansion or AUC on pharmacokinetic analyses of CAR T-cells based on receipt of a prior CD19-directed therapy. I'll conclude by saying that Lyta cell is an anti-CD19, 4,1BB co-stimulated CAR T-cell administered equal target doses, of CD4 and CD8 and is now FDA approved for relapse refractory DLBCL, transformed indolent NHL, primary mediastinal B-cell lymphoma, high-grade B-cell lymphoma, and grade 3B follicular lymphoma. Lysacel is associated with an overall favorable efficacy and safety profile and can be administered in the outpatient setting in selected patients. Durable responses have been observed in discrete subsets including those with secondary CNS lymphoma involvement, patients with moderate medical comorbidities, receiving bridging therapy, and prior anti-CD19 treatments. Ultimately, we rate results from additional trials, including Lysacel in combinations with other agents on the planned platform study, as well as Lysacel administered at second-line therapy compared to autologous stem cell transplant in the randomized TRANSFORM trial.
0: Thanks for that, Jeremy. I look forward to hearing further results in the future. Now, over to Frederick Locke of the H. Lee Moffat Cancer and Research Institute in Florida for updates on CAR T-cell therapy for mantle cell lymphoma.
4: I'm going to start with an update of the pivotal Zuma-2 trial presented at ASH and EBMT by Michael Wong. Patients with relapse refractory mantle cell lymphoma that progress after a BTK inhibitor have a dismal prognosis with expected response rates to traditional salvage therapies of less than 50%. The Zuma-2 trial tested KTE-X19, or brexitcaptogene autolucyl, in relapsed refractory mantle cell lymphoma patients that previously received a BTK inhibitor. The primary analysis was published in the New England Journal of Medicine in 2020, and this abstract presented additional follow-up data. Bridging therapy was allowed. The doses of conditioned chemotherapy and the CAR T-cell dose are also shown here. The objective response rate was 92%, with a complete response rate of 67%. At a median follow-up of 17.5 months, 48% of patients remain in ongoing response, including 70% of those that achieved a CR. Importantly, the first 28 patients treated now have a median follow-up of 32 months, and 39% remain in continued remission without further therapy. Medians were not reached for duration of response, progression-free survival, or overall survival. On the Zuma-2 trial, ongoing response rates were largely consistent among patients with high-risk disease characteristics. It was previously reported that most relapse patients had detectable CD19 at relapse. However, these pharmacological findings from Zuma-2 suggest there may be different mechanisms responsible for primary and secondary treatment failure in relapse refractory mantle cell lymphoma. This next abstract, also presented by Michael Wong, showed outcomes in Zuma-2 stratified by prior BTK inhibitor exposure or mantle cell lymphoma morphology. It's well-established that high-risk variants of mantle cell lymphoma are associated with poor outcomes, yet in Zuma-2, response rates and durable response rates were comparable across patients with various histologies. The baseline characteristics of patients that had received a calibrutinib, or both prior to enrollment on Zuma-2. These baseline characteristics were generally comparable across these groups, and similar results were observed across mantle cell lymphoma morphology subgroups, including classical blastoid and pleomorphic variants. High response rates and clinical benefit were achieved across the morphology and prior BTK inhibitor subgroups. Similarly, CRS and neurologic events, as well as product T cell attributes, were comparable across the subgroups. Analysis of cytokine data and CAR-T expansion data after infusion demonstrate that patients that received prior abrutinib had higher interferon gamma and IL-6 inflammatory cytokines and CAR-T cell expansion as compared to those that received a acalabrutinib. This suggests that abrutinib may influence the immune microenvironment and the T cells used to manufacture the product, which could ultimately impact outcomes. This abstract presented at ASH demonstrated the outcomes of relapsed refractory mantle cell lymphoma treated with lysocaptogene marilucil on the TRENCEND study. Patients must have received a prior BTK inhibitor and an alkylating agent and could receive bridging therapy after collection. 32 patients were treated across two dose levels. 50% of patients experienced CRS with only one patient experiencing grade three or higher CRS. Neurologic events and severe neurologic events were seen in 34% and 13% of patients, somewhat lower than reported on Zuma-2 with Brexacel. 84% of treated mantle cell lymphoma patients responded to Lysacel with a 66% CR rate, very similar to the rates on Zuma-2. Median duration of response has yet to be reached, although median follow-up is short. These results demonstrate lysosal can safely lead to responses in relapse refractory mantle cell lymphoma, suggesting it may eventually join brexosal with a CAR-T indication in mantle cell lymphoma.
0: Thank you, Frederick. Changing topic slightly, could you tell us about the clinical trial concept, which was presented at the BMT-CTN State of the Science Symposium?
4: This event occurs every seven years to take a survey of the most important clinical questions which might be answered by transplant or cell therapy trials across the trials network. I had the privilege to chair the lymphoma committee with this rock star roster. One of the concepts we proposed was presented at the, at the symposium. It was initially proposed by Syra Ahmed, Mehdi Hamadani, and myself, and was focused on mantle cell lymphoma and CAR T cell therapy. Our hypothesis was that CD19 CAR T cell therapy as a frontline after a lead in immunotherapy will safely improve PFS in ultra-high-risk mantle cell lymphoma. Even in the era of novel agents, adverse features still denote a poor prognosis in mantle cell lymphoma. This includes high MIPI score, high intermediate to high MIPI-C, TP53 mutation, chromosomal 17p deletions, complex karyotype, and blastoid histology. Newly diagnosed mantle cell lymphoma patients with these ultra-high-risk features have dismal outcomes. And in fact, many clinicians will no longer offer autologous stem cell transplant consolidation for TP53 mutated patients given these dismal survival outcomes. We proposed a clinical trial, a single arm phase two trial for these ultra high risk mantle cell lymphoma patients testing out a lead in of BTK inhibitor for four to six cycles followed by apheresis, bridging therapy and CAR T cell therapy treatment. The primary endpoint would be two year PFS from enrollment Patients could be allowed one or two cycles of standard induction, so that patients coming from the community could still be enlo- enrolled. Finally, we believe that this clinical trial could uh, lead to a successful way for the BNT Ctn and CAR T cell therapy manufacturers to partner to potentially get an indication for CAR T cell therapy for upfront high-risk mantle cell lymphoma.
0: Thank you for sharing those insights, Frederick. Next up, we have David Miklos of Stanford University in California. David, I believe you're going to tell us about dual CD1922 targeting and refractory B-cell malignancies.
5: Hello, I'm David Miklos. I'm the chief of bone marrow transplant and cell therapy at Stanford, and thank you for inviting me today. The uh, title of my talk is, uh, well, a bit more um, friendly. Bartender, make mine a double. This is a discussion of dual car targeting in refractory B-cell malignancies. A young 21 year old woman with primary mediastinal disease who has massive amounts of pet avid problems gets a single cell CAR-19 AxiCell cell. day 28, has a full complete remission only to recur in limited sites. And upon biopsy, what was highly expressing CD19 before the treatment with AxiCell has now lost the expression of CD19 completely. This has been uh, reported by my colleagues in the Zuma One study and Gene Oaks and my colleagues at Stanford as well. We have gone on to do immunohistochemistries with age scores where each cell is analyzed as a one plus two plus three plus and 100 cells are counted that scores 300. You can see 50% would be the dashed line. And this type of analysis shows that approximately 40% of the patients who have progression after treatment with AxiCell in the 16 patient analysis have Below the line expression, and seven of them have no detectable CD19. This is obviously a primary problem for CAR single antigen targeting failure. Now, IHC is really a difficult technology to make quantitative. We move to flow. And when you do a typical clinical flow analysis, uh, all three of these reports are reported to be negative but positive for CD19 expression. And yet, um, this uh, greater than 90%, once we apply our quantitative measurements that I'm gonna tell you more about, uh, shows 88 molecules, 646 molecules, and 6,500 molecules. And if I tell you 3,000 molecules is what's necessary for full benefit of a cell product, you can see the difficulty. Um, and we don't even know what to do with the overlapping low shoulder of low expression cells. We suspect that B cells compared to the internal controlled T cells, these the shoulder of blue that it has low 19 are cells that are subject to growing out after the pressure of a CD19 molecule is applied. What we've done to be able to quantify this more accurately is use quantitative beads with fluorochromes that are known quantities of light. And then we multiplex this and put five different fluorochromes into the same reaction in a Beckton Dickinson product called Quantibrite, And here's an analysis of those same patients, now with the quantification of the amount of CD19 ranging from 46,000 down to 952 molecules. And again, clear separation, 6,500 molecules versus the separation of 952. So this is a necessary tool going forward for the optimization of CAR T uh, antigens, not only in lymphoma, but in the solid tumors where antigen expression is gonna be critical. But let's get back to how do we simultaneously target Two tumor antigens to overcome the possibility of antigen loss and improve efficacy. There's many methods you could use. You could have two different car products that you just simply put into the patient either together or sequentially. You could have a coexpression through transduction or through bisystronic expression of a single construct, or you can have a polypeptide that has two binding domains. LCRs is a more of a here, loop car. And so at Stanford, we tested this beginning in 2017 with this loop car, uh, it's a 401 BB, uh, Zeta driven. That was a feasibility um, with production in the Prodigy closed system. Uh, The manufacturing was improved by moving the co-stimulation of the CD3-CD28 matrix from five days to three days with an improved efficiency. And we can show that this results in less uh, exhausted cell products with a shorter production of seven days. Our products have a little skew towards the CD4 and we have a large amount of stemness in these cells with low exhaustion markers. We have treated uh, 40 patients in this uh, analysis, and this uh, manuscript is under review uh, for publication and will be out very soon. The uh, 15 acute lymphoblastic leukemia patients had 100% overall response rate at day 28, as is is common in the CD19 treatment of ALL adult, uh, patients do have a progression, and when they progress, they frequently have antigen loss. Um, In lymphoma, uh, again, we show a um, somewhat stable plateau, but this is uh, overall uh, benefit. Benefits complete response rate of twenty nine percent and. Um when patients did progress, we biopsied the sites of progression and applied our same technologies again to show that what was a high expression of CD19 has now uh, abrogated and become similar to what's on a T cell, nothing, whereas the CD22 expression is persisting. So 19's lost, 22 is maintained. You can understand that um, it seems our car was working effectively through 19, causing the same type of anti-19 pressure a single car does, but the 22 was not, we wanted to test this directly uh, with activation using stimulation cells shown here, and this uh, fluorochrome shows that we have four cell lines, a a double knockout, a uh, 19 expressor with no 22, a 22 expressor, and a double expressor. CD107 and CD69, markers of activation are highly expressed whether we use the single 19, single 22, or the double 19 and 22, and it's also clear that the single 22 has less stimulation of these cells in an intracytoplasmic uh, cytokine uh, Uh, analysis. Now, our summary from this uh, bi-specific car 1922 is that we were able to manufacture effectively. We optimized this with uh, improvements in the time of uh, activation. We had very low uh, toxicity, only one grade four CRS in the Uh, 40 patients and that all these patients have made recovery. The overall response rate was 69% and the diffused uh, large B-cell was a 29% complete response rate while the 17 ALL patients had 88% complete response rate. We uh, do not believe that the 29% complete response rate competes well with the commercially available products and will not be taking that forward. However, the adult ALL response rates and benefits are In keeping with the current ability uh, on clinical research, and there is no commercially approved product for adults. So we're now studying this with an extended study looking at IL-15 expression for improving the uh, T-cell prevention of exhaustion and persistence of the CAR-T. I want to point out Nirav Shah's very important publication, Nature Medicine, of last year, where he does the tethered 1920 as sponsored by Milteni. Um, and that uh, tethered molecule would look a lot like bivalent, bispecific. The bottom is something that we're real focused on at this point. That is making two transduction molecules in the same cell. And this is a um, hypothesis being tested by Kite in their new uh, phase one study called 363. It's a bicistronic molecule. And this is a single cistron with a read through. And what you can imagine is you'll either bind 19, 20 or both. There uh, is no data, there's no clinical data thus far, no patients have been treated, but this is anticipated to start enrolling in uh, one to two months. Now, uh, at Stanford, we've taken the bispecific anti-19, anti-22, and we broke it apart. And so now we have the single uh, monospecific uh, FCF that binds CAR-22 with a 41 bb driven molecule. And patients who had large cell lymphoma are being tested uh, after they have been treated with an anti-19 molecule and had progression. So this is sequential therapy, very very consistent with how we manage lymphoma. We give induction, and the patients who have progression get salvaged, get auto. So we do sequential Therapy. Neerali Shaw at the National Cancer Institute has studied over 100 children in pediatrics with ALL using the same construct, and has a publication in Nature Medicine as well. But this analysis of the first three patients is published at Blood uh, and is uh, a really uh, striking finding because the first three patients were high risk. Two of them double hit lymphoma, many lines of therapy, five, eight, six, and all of them had had prior CAR T, AxiCell, cell, AxiCell cell plus the tethered 1920, and, uh, showing massive amounts of disease. In the abdomen this big white blob 20 centimeters in size that goes away over six months uh this large mass in the thoracic cavity that is going away over again six months and on the right uh, cervical disease that goes away. The expansion of the CAR22, very high, greater than 75 molecules in comparison to very limited axis cell expansion in the blood of the patients through prior treatments at, at Stanford. The power of circulating tumor uh, DNA MRD detection using the ClonoSeek adaptive biotechnologies application, measuring molecules specific for the B cell receptor in the serum plasma itself. So again, showing that the killing of the tumor is going on through six months, the persistence of the tumor and the, is coinciding with the persistence of the CAR and this shows that a one bb CAR after a CD28 CAR is showing a high level of uh, efficacy. All three are now durable CR rates beyond one and a half years. And we are continuing this uh, at this point enrolling patients nearly weekly at Stanford. So please consider our patients. In summary, patients with relapse refractory are eligible for three FDA approved CAR T's but few patients are receiving the CAR T. Um, when we do, uh, we see the observed CD19 mechanistic failure being a primary problem, and we believe that the approach to this is to create multi-antigen targeted CAR constructs. Although, as I say, sequential CAR22 therapy is highly effective as well. Um, our laboratories will continue to look at other co-stimulatories like CD58, which we presented at ASH last year, and then also optimizing the T-cell phenotype from which we make these CARs.
0: And of overview, thank you, David. Following on from that, we have Marcia Shadman of the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center based in Washington. Marzia will be updating us on the third generation CD20-targeted CAR-T cell therapy, MB106, for the treatment of patients with relapsed refractory B-cell non-Hodgkin lymphoma. Over to you, Marcia.
6: CAR-T therapy is, uh, of course, an effective and approved treatment for a number of B-cell malignancies. CD20 is also a proven therapeutic target for, for BNHLs with number of uh, Naked or radio labeled, and also more recently biospecific specific antibodies uh, that have shown effectiveness as a, as a target. Here we are using a CD20 targeted CAR as another potential uh, immunotherapy option that could be utilized for treatment of BNHL. So I'm presenting the interim results of our ongoing phase one, two clinical trial using this CD20 CAR for high risk BNHLs. This CAR T is a fully human third generation CD20 targeted CAR with both 41 bb and CD28 uh, co-similatory domains. We use a lentiviral vector, and there is a truncated CD19 transduction marker on the CAR-T's for the purpose of tracing. Uh, the study design, all patients will have a biopsy before enrollment to show the CD20 uh, expression. There is a research biopsy that will be done between day 7 to 16 after treatment. And assessments will be done on day 28 as is the standard. Just very briefly, when we started this protocol, um, the, the manufacturing included separate culturing of CD4 and CD8 cells, and we also only used cyclophosphamide for depletion. So we treated seven patients with the best response being stable disease. After that, uh, the protocol underwent a major cell manufacturing modification, and some of the changes included the combined culture of CD4 and 8 and since November of 2020, we started treating patients on, uh, on the new modified protocol. What we're showing here is what we had for the ASH cutoff and nine patients who were treated under the new process. Uh, we, will, we will show the efficacy data, but for safety, we're including all patients, including the, the, the original process and the modified process. So in terms of patient characteristics, for the nine patients who were treated uh, under the new uh, manufacturing process. We have treated seven follicular lymphoma patients and two mental cell lymphoma patients. High risk uh, POD24 for follicular lymphoma patients uh, was the case in five out of seven patients and uh, three out of seven had history of transformation. Both mental cell lymphoma patients had prior uh, exposure and disease progression on BTK inhibitors and also had uh, prior autologous stem cell transplant. So uh, in terms of toxicity and safety data, as I mentioned, we're showing the data for both original and also modified process. We've only had one patient with grade one cytokine release syndrome, and of course this is the cutoff for, for that we use for ASH. But I can tell you that the, the so the, the, the one patient with grade one only had fever. We had a grade three under the original process, and that was a patient who. At elevated alkaline phosphatase for which we couldn't find any other explanation and that, that uh, counted under the 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 uh, old criteria as a grade three um, and we did not have any patients with ITNs as as a side effect uh, for, for the for the treatment and again this is with 16 patients under both uh, original and modified process. In terms of efficacy, just focusing on patients who were treated under the new uh, or modified protocol, uh, out of seven follicular lymphoma patients, six responded with an overall response rate of 85%. Four out of seven had a complete response with a 57% CR rate. Both mental cell patients had partial response. So looking at all patients, eight out of nine responded with 89% response rate. And complete responses were seen in four out of nine or 44%. Uh, Again, this uh, I can tell you that since the presentation at ASH, of course, we've treated more patients. And I can tell you that the safety profile remains be very promising with no AEs, uh, CRS more than grade 2, and we haven't seen ITINs, uh, uh yet at any grade. And uh, also, more importantly, all patients who achieved the CR remain to be in a complete remission um, so far so uh, we had um, we're showing the car t persistence looking at different dose levels uh, the, based on the response and also um, um, whether or not they achieved the cr or not in summary uh, the mb106 is a third generation cd20 targeted car uh, we have seen a favorable safety profile uh, uh, with only uh, two patients with CRS out of 16, uh, and no ICANNs so far. As I mentioned, this data cutoff is for ASH meeting, but after ASH meeting, we continue to see, see the same trend. So no uh, CRS more than grade 2, and uh, no no ITNs. Uh The response rates are high in follicular lymphoma, um, 57% CR, and the overall response rate overall was 89% for all patients. We're seeing robust expansion and persistence of T cells. So the enrollment continues. Uh, we have since treated patients with a CLL diagnosis and will soon be treating diffuse large B cell lymphoma. So we're very really excited to continue reporting these results. And uh, there's a plan for a multi-center phase two study, which will be hopefully started soon.
0: Thank you for presenting those results, Mazia. Last, but by no means least, we have Sonali Smith from the University of Chicago in Illinois, who's going to talk to us about how the treatment landscape has changed for lymphoma and will continue to change with the introduction of targeted therapies.
7: I thought I would take the title that was handed to me, A New Era of Targeted Agents, and turn it a little bit around and ask whether or not these targeted approaches benefit the absolute majority of patients who have relapsed and refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. To take one example, Uh, which is age. If we look at the distribution of new diffuse large B-cell lymphoma diagnoses by age in the United States, we know that the median age at diagnosis is 66, that half the patients are over the age of 65, and a third of patients are over the age of 75. Moreover, the relapse risk by age increases for every decade of life in diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And to give you an example of that, we could look back at the Goya trial where the median age was 62 and we have a progression-free survival of about 70%. We can look at the original GILA study that established R-CHOP as the standard of care where the median age was 69 and the event-free survival drops. And then we can look at the r chop trial where the median age was 83 and the event-free survival is even lower. What's fascinating is that not only are there diminishing returns as patients age, but that this is even the patients who were trial eligible. And there's likely a whole other group of patients with comorbidities who were not candidates for some of the very exciting advances that have been discussed at this meeting so far. So knowing that there are a number of uh, patient subsets who are not cured with RCHOP, I think it's really important to remember that the uh, key challenges in this disease are to really increase the number of patients who are cured with first-line treatment and then to focus on improving options for patients in the second line or beyond that fall into the category of patients who are older, have comorbidities, or other adverse features, including high-risk biology. Let's take a look at CAR-T, and for example here, we know that CAR-T has been an important advance for patients with uh, relapsed and refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma. And if we look at the patients who were enrolled by age, in the trials, the median age was really in the fifth decade of life. The real world and post-approval analyses show that this can be expanded, and in fact, we um, have seen that CAR-T in the real world, and this is really just one example, I realize there are many more, Um, does help many of the patients who were not included in the pivotal studies. In fact, 43% of patients would not have met criteria for the clinical trial due to either poor performance status, thrombocytopenia, thromboembolic disease, or other comorbidities. However, the median age remains at around 60 years old. So again, we know that the vast majority of patients with relapse refractory, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma may not be served by the advances that we've discussed. So what are the options for patients who are not CAR-T or transplant eligible? Um, unfortunately, there is no standard of care, and the goal is palliation. But I will highlight that clinical trials, from my perspective, remain the most important option for these patients. In terms of targeted agents, I'm going to talk a little bit about polituzumab, bendamustin rituximab, selenexor, and tafasitamab, lenalidomide, all three of which were FDA-approved within the last two years for this group. There are also um, smaller trials looking at BTK inhibitors or lenalidomide and rituximab, uh, which may have some preferential activity in specific subtypes. And of course, best supportive care is always an option. When it comes to polituzumab and bendamustine and rituximab, this is an antibody drug conjugate that targets uh, CD79 uh, and releases MMAE similar to brentuximab The trial leading to approval was a randomized Phase two study that really focused on a transplant ineligible population, either due to advanced age or insufficient response to prior salvage therapy. And if we look at the patient characteristics, it is indeed a slightly older population with uh, high-risk features, although again, the performance status was quite good for most of the patients who were there or enrolled. Uh, The results were uh, shown with an expanded cohort at ASH of 2020 uh, and shows that there is an impressive uh, improvement in the duration of response, progression-free survival, and perhaps most intriguingly, in overall survival for patients who receive the polituzumab as part of their chemoimmunotherapy regimen. Another targeted agent that was FDA-approved is Selenexor as an oral XPO1 inhibitor. This phase two trial focused on older patients with 45% of patients being over the age of 70. And what's intriguing is that despite a modest overall response rate and CR rate, the median duration of response is impressive for those patients who had a complete remission. Tafacitimab uh, is a new uh, FC enhanced anti CD19 monoclonal antibody that we've heard about and was combined with lenalidomide in a phase two trial in relapse refractory diffuse large B cell lymphoma. Again, those patients who have a complete response have an extremely long response duration, and this again was in an older patient population. However, please note that about half the patients were only in the second line, and so where this particular regimen will fit in going forward uh, still remains to be determined but again the duration of response seems quite uh, impressive we also heard about a number of bi-specifics. these agents uh, as targeted agents i hope given their favorable toxicity profile will be able to be used in our older and more frail patients going forward finally i thought i would uh, throw in that biology can hopefully direct treatment as we go forward to me, our treatment algorithm has really improved for this disease. But the biggest unknown is who is a candidate for aggressive therapy and who isn't. So to conclude, this new era of targeted therapy is really exciting. And the questions that remain are who should get uh, treated, when should they be treated, and with what agents. We know that most patients with relapse refractory DLB DLBCL are older, have comorbidities, or high-risk biology, or are post-CAR-T. And we also have this new toolbox of targeted treatment approaches. Connecting the dots between these two boxes will be the challenge going forward.
0: Thank you, Sonali. We we'll look forward to hearing more updates in the future. Those are all the updates we have for you today. So a huge thank you to each of our speakers for sharing their research with us. And thanks to you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's podcast on CAR-T therapy for lymphoma. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Vijay to share your thoughts and read other's thoughts on today's topics. You can also visit vjhumalk.com for the latest updates on CAR-T, lymphoma, and much, much more in the field of hematological oncology. Finally, don't miss another episode by subscribing to VJ Podcasts, which are available on Spotify, Apple, and Podbeam.